Hey, this is Jason Bowman, and uh, I'm here with author Steve Pike of The Next Wave, and we've got a fantastic guest, Ray Hudson, church planner in Berkeley, California today. We're talking about cracking the code of the 21st century ministry. This is episode eight, so if you haven't tuned in yet, we're glad to have you. There is uh, some live chat happening, so feel free to post questions along the way, and we will get those to us. we got a team that's going to feed those to us. We'd love to answer your questions, but we're talking about a shift, a major shift, Steve. You wrote about it in, in your book about really refreshing the metrics, about changing the way and what we count, um, and, and you've got a lot to say on that. I want I wanted to just open up right at the top. Uh, with some of the changes that you saw coming. Yeah. Uh, we're all, I think, now experiencing it. I think COVID shoved us into that. You even wrote about that in that chapter. But go ahead. What What are the metrics? What should we be counting today in the 21st century? Yeah, well, I think to help us understand the 21st century metrics, we need to go back to the 20th century metrics that have really been the dominant uh, factor in terms of churches I, I, uh, understanding how they're doing missionally. Um, everybody's familiar with maybe the, the, the term noses and nickels. And in the book, I'm saying, we well, you need to move from bodies in the pews to disciples in the marketplace in terms of metrics. And the, the bodies in the pews was all about how many people are showing up on Sunday morning and how much money are they putting in the offering? And that's pretty much the two things when people, when pastors and leaders got together and they were talking about how their church was doing, um, the question was, okay, how many people are showing up on Sunday? Which is not a bad question. That's part of the metrics we need to be aware of. But then the other question was, how much are they putting in, in, the, in the offering and or in the plate or, you know, giving through online giving, whatever they're doing, what's your income? And how many people are showing up? And the problem that got t- totally exposed by COVID, <laughs> all of a sudden, people couldn't show up anymore. And so now, how do you count? How do you count what's going on? And churches really struggle with that. You know, so they started counting how many, uh, you know, how many people were watching online, and that is just really a, a, a very fragile st- statistic. Um, and, uh, and so, sorry about that. Somebody just tried to call me <laughs> and it was a spam. <laughs> You're a popular guy, man. So whatever. Yeah. Those spammers love me there. Uh, so anyway, well, so yeah, the, so in, the pro- in your book though, you wrote about, uh, you know, move, you know, COVID moving people into that, but then yeah. were those numbers viable to count also? And then the question that you really came up with a lot, several different gauges, you know, right. and, and even how to predict how many right. people would gather. And I think, right. I think that was some groundbreaking work. Uh, right. So I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, one of the problems with the 20th century metrics was that they're both lagging metrics. They both measure something that's already happened. And that's fine. We need to measure that. But I started recognizing, we started discovering in our work with uh, numerous church plants in difficult places um, that there you can actually predict outcomes um, based on activities. And those are called leading metrics. So um, leading metrics are things that say, okay, if we do this, if we, if we connect with 100 people, this many people will be impacted by that, you know, six to 12 months from now. And so what that means is you can say, Okay, we're going to do this today, and and if we if we're consistent and we do things well, it there's going to be an outcome down down the road. And so we came up with, actually in the book, uh, you'll see ten gauges, so to speak. So we went from a dashboard that has two had two gauges, which tell us something, 
to a dashboard that has 10 gauges, which, which help us measure um, ministry across the whole spectrum of, of what we call disciple making. If, if people were with us for the second chapter, we talk about disciple making and suggest that disciple making has been too narrow. It needs to include pre-conversion disciple making as well as post-conversion disciple making. And we measure that across. We use hands as a, as a symbol of that. And so, um, what we're saying is churches churches really in the 21st century need to get more like a dashboard that is more comprehensive um, in measuring their missional progress, both with leading and lagging metrics. And yeah. so. Well, what I want to be clear on is what it sounds like, well, you may have gone from simplicity to complexity, but what I love about what you created, it really isn't. It's, it's just, no. it be, they're, they're actually things that we can uh, affect and we can right. change. Some of them that you've outlined are how many spiritual conversations are you in? Because believe right. it or not, church leaders, the more spiritual conversations you are in in your city is going to lead somewhere good, somewhere you want to go. Right, right, exactly. It's that it's not it's not complicated at all. It's pretty simple because you know what leads to a spiritual conversation? Well, a relationship. Mm-hmm. So the again, the same thing you just said, the more relationships you have, the more influence, the more spiritual impact you're going to have. What leads to a relationship? Well, you got to get around people and be connected to them. Uh, and, and what leads to a good connection is you got to, people need to want to be around you. So they need to be aware of you in a positive way. So now you can say, okay, how do we make people aware of us in a positive way? How do we, you know, uh, make a connection, introduction to people? How do we form a relationship? Those become uh, uh, actions. Those become skills that 21st century churches need to be adept at. And those are predictive of what's going to happen in the future. The more of all of that you have, the more people are going to decide to follow Jesus. The more people are going to become uh, committed disciple makers themselves. And so you, and in you the pro- end, more people that would attend and, and even even support the ministry, which I love, but they're actually things that leaders can go and do. Uh, we've got a leader on this call with us, Steve, that's been doing that as a church planter. Yeah. I think, I think the metrics that you just outlined are for any and all ministry, yep. any and everywhere. Uh, but I want to get to to Ray here. But before we do, those of you that are just logging on, uh, we're talking about cracking the code of the 21st century ministry. We're on episode eight. We're talking about refreshing the metrics. And we've got a couple uh, tools, some giveaways that we're going to post in the chat for you. Um, there, you can download this chapter. You can, it's for free. You can have a PDF of this chapter of next wave book that Steve wrote. I think, again, I think it's groundbreaking work. Uh, it is next wave.community slash refresh the metrics. There's a couple of dashes in there. You'll see the link. There's also a tool, Steve, that you wrote that actually takes not, these aren't just uh, wishful thinking. I wonder how many you have actually done some work and research yeah to figure out how many spiritual conversations does it take before people will belong and how many yeah. relationships do you need to have until you get into those relationships. So we have an online calculator that can determine, Hey, if you have this many more conversations, you'll end up with this many more friendships and, and you'll begin yeah. to grow and you begin to engage more. So that link is uh, nextwave.community slash tools. Uh, yeah. But I'll tell you what, nobody I know, uh, and, I, and Ray is a, a close friend of mine, but seriously, nobody I know has navigated this conversation better uh, in the midst of a global pandemic than Ray Hudson. Getting ready, I'm just going to steal some of your thunder here, Ray. Getting ready to plant a church in Berkeley. I'll let you cover all the details. 
And then the pandemic happens. I'd love for you to tell a little bit of that story. And then I know Steve's got some questions specifically about what you're measuring and how you measured, but give us kind of that overview. You're getting ready to go to Berkeley or you're in Berkeley, California. You're getting ready for that big launch pandemic. And what? Yeah. um, Well, so thankful to be here with you guys. And it's a privilege and honor. You're being too nice with your words. Uh, I'm just trying to build a church in the city that's um, both difficult, but God has a huge heart for. And uh, man, yeah, the pandemic came and we were all revved up and ready. Had our strategic plan to launch September 2020. And uh, I think it was like March 8th, uh, the pandemic hit. And um, I was praying and uh, I just started to look forward to say like, man, if this continues, even though we didn't know at that moment, I don't know if we'll be able to launch uh, the type of church we we're looking to launch. Um, and so I just prayed and felt God say, lean forward, don't push back. Um, you know, in a season where it's of uncertainty, uh, difficulty, uh, questioning, like, what does this look like? Um, and so, yeah, we ended up um, in that week planning, coming up with a new strategic plan, meeting with our team's board, strategic team, um, some of my partners, and just felt like, man, we're going to push forward. Um, did some preview gatherings digitally um, through March. And then Easter 2020, we launched a digital um, expression of our church and I've uh, been going uh, ever since. And so it's been an interesting journey. I think uh, the pandemic, I like to pivot. So, you know, the pandemic came and I, there wasn't fear. There was excitement to say, man, we now we really get to do church differently. No one has, no one is saying it has to be this way. Um, and so it was, uh, it was, for me, it was a time to say, man, we can truly push on the things we were already thinking um, and just really run. So, yeah, so that's uh, kind of where we're at. And now we're getting ready to have our grand opening in September in our own building, which is another crazy win. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and Ray, I, I, I want to just add a little more context to your story or have you add a little more context because I want to make sure the people that are watching understand that you're, when you launched digitally in March, it wasn't like, a cold launch, just jump online. You guys had actually already been in that community building relationships for at least eight to nine months. I think it went back into September of the year before. Is that right? Tell us. Yeah, that's hundred percent correct. Yeah. When we went online, we've had a few people that asked like, man, like you just jumped on. And so there's this, I feel like there's this, uh, you know, epidemic of people that think, Hey, we can just launch digitally. Um, but I think for us, you know, we have a heart for our city. And so when we chose to launch online, it wasn't because we were just like, hey, we're just going to do it because everyone's doing it. You know, we had a team of over 60 already. And part of our vision was we wanted to be a church that loved and served way before we ever launched. So even before the pandemic hit, we made jokes about, man, maybe we'll do pop-up gatherings during Easter. Um, but we had been serving our city. Uh, we, we were part of the city. Our team had already been meeting. Um, and so we were prepared for it, you know, so. Uh, I think, you know, there's that passage in Proverbs where it says the horse is prepared for battle, but victory comes from the Lord. And so at that moment when we were chose to go online, it wasn't just a, hey, we're just going to do this. It was, hey, we've been meeting, um, setting culture and DNA for, you know, over eight, nine months, serving our city, um, a part of what was happening in our community before that ever happened. So, yeah. Right. Right. So in March, you go you, you go digital. What does that actually look like? Because I, I know it wasn't, again, it wasn't just a show, just wasn't, you know, you weren't standing in an empty room somewhere <laughs> preaching to the camera. He's Talk a great preacher. About- that might've worked. He, yeah. I mean, if anybody could pull it off, he did, but, yeah. but he didn't, he didn't rely on just, you know, the, the, the Ray Hudson show. Um, he not only did he use his, the, the skills God had given him in communication, but you 
you utilize digital in a way that um, I haven't seen a lot of people do. So just, just talk to us about that. Yeah. So when we so when we made a decision to launch digitally, the question was, well, how do we build a team digitally, right? So no one wants to, you know, I don't, I don't, it's very difficult to, to, to build a team just by showing a, a gathering online and then trying to get people to join. Um, and so as we were building the new strategic plan, one of the things that I said and was praying about, talked to a few of my friends on was, man, like if we're going to build a team, like I need to see people um, and they need to see me. Like, how do we create space for people to see me? And then if we're gauging like how our team's growing, what are we gauging it off of? People that are viewing a stream um, or people who are in community with us. And then lastly, we had to ask the question like, how do we build culture and DNA then in the midst of it? So if you're building new people, I mean, bringing new people on your team and you're building a team, you have to build culture. And so one of the things that we said was, um, man, we're only going to have a gathering. First, we didn't even start with worship. You know, we, we actually just started with, um, it was like a 15 to 16 minute talk uh, with something we, we kind of innovated was like an after party after. Um, and so, but the thing that most people don't know is it was the things that people didn't see that we were doing. So we had a team meeting before our gathering and that went longer than our gathering. So we would actually meet, you know, so if we had like a 9 a.m. gathering, we'd meet at 8 o'clock and go to 845 and we would talk culture, DNA, we would pray. And any new person that was interested in our team, we would invite them to that. And then we would have a gathering for like 22 minutes. And so we more looked at that as an awareness event over a service. Um, And then after that awareness event, we would invite people into a Zoom room again so that we could see people um, to say, hey, now let's just discuss the message like they did in in Acts, right? Like they read read a passage and then they discussed it. Um, And then lastly, we would then invite people to a midweek gathering, which we were, you know, our focus was discipleship and we'll get into our kind of core, you know, our, our scorecard, but uh, we felt like, man, we, we're called to disciple people. And so I think as people were trying to figure that out through the pandemic, you know, one, we focused on our team, you know, we already had a team of over 60. And so one of the things I'll tell pastors is, man, if, you, if your church has gone from a thousand to 500, guess what? You have 500 team members that could revolutionize an area. And so we just wanted to make sure that we were continuing to build our team in the midst of it. Um, and then we, and then one thing that we did too, was because of everything with the pandemic and vision was very hard for churches. And so one of the things that I said to our team is we want, we want to always be proactive, not reactive. And so we also created something called a vision, a vision event. So every last Wednesday of the month was our vision, um, gathering on, online where anyone new could come in and hear about the vision of our church but we always planned what was next for the following month based off of the restrictions for that month. And so instead of thinking, hey, hopefully the restrictions change next month, we planned everything based off of where the restrictions were at that time so that we were never at a place of hoping or wondering. Um, but we would just say, hey, wherever the restrictions are now, that's what we're going to plan for the next month. Um, and so that's kind of what the, it looked like was. So, you know, our structure was not based off of um, what, you know, we did online for 22 minutes. It was really encompassed by multiple things, even texting. So I would text our team every Wednesday. Cause I said, Hey, I want to display for you what I want to encourage you to do for other people. So Wednesdays, I do a prayer walk, text our team, check in with them and really tried to make discipleship the core of everything that we did and building a team. 
um, that was a lot there, but hopefully that's what you're looking for. No, you're a fountain, right? You're a fountain. This is so good, man. But listen, uh, you're talking about team building and I know that has to do with your scorecard. And I want to get into those practical scorecard measurements, but you talked about loving the city and you talked about being in the city and you just, and, and I know honestly so much of what you did, you know, overlays just in a crazy way with what Steve wrote about a year prior and in next wave and chapter eight. And so talk about how you, uh, you know, were, utilizing, you know, you said, well, we love our city and we were here in the city, but you've done some very, very strategic things to go and build, uh, you know, go and build those relationships. Yeah. I mean, even when we were looking to plant a church in Berkeley, you know, I'm asking the question, am I committing career suicide to do that? It's a hard place. 99% of our community. Who goes to Berkeley? Yeah. Yeah, Seriously, who goes to Berkeley? Over 99% of our community want nothing to do with faith. Right. And so no, you know, and so even the next wave, I didn't even read it. Um, and so it's just funny how it's, I'm saying, what? What? I know, um, but in the midst of it, and I'll tell you why, like what I wanted to make sure, especially in the pandemic was that we were creating what our city needed and not what yeah. people's perceptions were, yeah. you know, before that. And so part of that was at the beginning of the, of the pandemic, I, or sorry, before the pandemic in April, I felt God say, be a church that loves and serves way before you ever launch, which is interesting because I'm sure that coincides with what Steve, you were already writing. And so it's just cool yeah. how God worked that out. And so we want to be a church that loved and served our city so hard that when they interact with us, they rethink their preconceived notions about faith. Um, and so with that in mind, we, we launched um, at that moment, which we didn't call it this then, but just an initiative to say, man, like how do we lift the fog is what we call it. We want to be fog lifters, lift the fog so that people can see Jesus. And I think a lot of times we try to get people to church first. And when we read the gospels and you look at the early church, um, it, the goal was to get them to Jesus. But as pastors, we've always said, hey, let's get you to church. And that causes a stress. It causes a man, like, is my only role to get you to my church? And then it also hinders someone from living on mission in their in their areas of influence, because if they've got people that they work with, especially in our area, who are in other countries or other cities, they're, pers- they're now not thinking about getting those people to Jesus. They're trying to say, well, they, they're not going to get to our church. And you know what I mean? And so, um, and so with that, we just really started serving our city to the point where just this, you know, probably like five, six months ago, they did a video on us, the Berkeley School District, which is does not have a passion for God or Jesus or any church or has partnered with a church like they partnered with us. And they recognized us as one of their top volunteers. Um, which means they did a video on us and then they sent it to every, you know, all the teachers, administration, uh, families in Berkeley. Um, and so it's just a, for us, a huge win. And then in the pandemic, uh, when that happened, we kind of launched something called city cares. And I just felt like God was saying, man, like uh, who cares? You know, and, and I think we all say this, who cares if you're a church is in a city, if the city doesn't care that you're there. Um, and so part of that initiative for us was, you know, we call it, Hey, we want to impact every kid at every school. Um, and, and if that takes us two years, three years, five years, um, but in the pandemic, they called us. And one of the first things we did with the school, which really allowed us, really gave us the hearts of the school district was we, um, built out, it was like 3000 age specific and grade specific bags for at need families in the district. And it impacted every school. So every school, every teacher administration put their list in of what they needed. I think the items cost like $50,000 and we managed the volunteers for over eight weeks, um, so we'd be there at the school district having these volunteers um, build these bags 
And the school district is like, hey, this is Ray Hudson and City Center Church. They're our number one partner. They're managing this. And so it was just a crazy God uh, thing. But it was part of the vision of saying, man, like we want to impact every kid at every school. We put money behind it. Um, our kids person and our youth people understand, hey, I don't, you're not just here to plan out a service on a weekend. Um, the true win is when we in, engage with the families in our community. And a lot of times that's not at church. You know, you can engage with more families. Um, when you make a decision, hey, this junior high school, that's my youth ministry. You know, this elementary school, that's my kids ministry. I'm what ready. if, I mean, what if, honestly, I, we could finish right there. What if every church watching this uh, became the number one volunteer in their school district? I mean, yeah. that, what it just, even just that, but I know you've got more to share and I know Steve, you want to press into some of the metrics here. Yeah. Um, I just want to welcome those of you that might just be logging in for the very first time. I'm Jason Bowman with the next wave community, part of the art speak creative team here with the author of next wave, the book, Steve Pike, we're in your interviewing church planner, Ray Hudson city center church, Berkeley, California. We have a question that came up and I know, and then Steve, I want to kick it to you after Ray answers this to, push into some of those metrics because shift eight is all about changing the metrics, refreshing the metrics in the 21st century. Ray is on the cutting edge of that. Um, but somebody you had mentioned in your gatherings, uh, just getting together and discussing the message. And that resonated with one of our, uh, one of the guys watching right now uh, and just wanted to know what, you know, could you just expound on what that looked like? Like, hey, I just said something fantastic. What did you guys think about that? Was this like a please compliment how smart I am? Or or how did you get to, how did you really create conversation on Zoom around your messages? Yeah, so, I mean, it really speaks to one of the foundational things that we're trying to innovate at the moment, which is how do we create an environment where an intellectual business leader, leader in our community, but really in any church, doesn't just show up to our churches and ask, and we ask them, Hey, I want you to set up chairs and give us your money. And part of that is saying, I care about what you think. Um, when you, when you look at how people learn, let's like an air force pilot, what do they do? They read, they learn, they study, and they go in a simulator uh, and they do. And I think what churches have done is we've said, Hey, we want you to sit, listen, and uh, to me lecture um, and speak. And this is from the perception of a person who wants nothing to do with faith. Um, and I have no ability to have a conversation around it. So digitally, what we did was I would only speak again for 15 to 17 minutes. Um, and then we, the encouragement would be, hey, let's jump into our gathering. And then one of the big things I did was I never led that discussion. So our leaders who did this with us previous um, would lead a discussion. And the questions we would just ask is, man, what is, you know, what is God saying to you? Maybe people just want to sit in and listen. And then our team would just have a dialogue about what they just heard and what questions they have. You know, we'd encourage people, hey, you can just, um, you can just uh, over Zoom, just turn your camera off and just listen. We wanted to create space for, you know, what it looks like now, because, you know, the question then is, well, how do you scale that in an environment if you have a church of 50 or a church of you know, 20,000. Uh, what does that look like? And so, you know, we have a goal to have multiple locations. We're not just going to be a house church. We feel called to be in the city centers. And so the thing that we're, we're piloting now is to still in our gatherings do about a 15 to 17 minute message. Um, and then what we do now to scale it is uh, we, we allow three to four people from our team um, have a discussion on stage Q and a time live about what was just discussed 
And so we have two of our main leaders and then we'll invite someone who's not a main leader, but to be in that. So we're leading that conversation. Um, and then we have this um, um, digital software that we're using to where you can actually, where people can scan in and then they will ask their questions there anonymously and then on, live on the spot will answer uh, the questions. Um, and so that's the way we're scaling it now for in-person, but digitally it was, yes, they jump into Zoom and then we're literally just having a dialogue. No questions, a bad question. One of the things we always say is real people, real stories, real struggles. Um, and yeah, we're just creating space for conversation around what was just discussed. And, and we just found that discipleship happened even faster because people could actually ask the thing that they felt bad to ask or not good enough to ask in, in the past. So good. So good, man. Uh, Ray, I, there's a billion things that I could ask you. I want to, I want to just jump back one second and then, and then we'll start digging into your, your unique metric approach. Um, but I, I think this is foundational to that. You talked about, you, you mentioned, we, you kept saying, we went to the schools, we became the number one giver. What does we mean? Like you, you said, you've got a team of 60, um, are, does that mean 60 people are showing up at a school? Um, how, what, what does that pragmatic, what did that or has, does that pragmatically look, look like as you serve? Are, are you leading volunteers that, that are more than just the church, uh, people from the church, or how does that work? Yeah, I mean, I think it just depends on the event, right? So, like, we do something called Family Donut Day. Um, so, we'll partner with the school district. We'll say, hey, we're going to pay for donuts. Um, they'll have, you know, a few hundred people that come through a line, um, Dream Fluff Donuts, what it's called. And um, so we'll have, you know, five to six of our team members, maybe 10 of our team members that show up to that um, because it's not an event, you know, we're just then engaging. And so then the, the staff from the school are there too. Um, and so we partner with them. You know, when we did the, the, um, the bags for um, at need families, um, it was all of our team um, at different times and then over 800 volunteers, right? So they would all come in at different times. And so we would be leading you know, 40, 50 volunteers um, at different times and throughout the day. The volunteers were not necessarily people that were part of your faith community, right? No. So these are, these are just people living in Berkeley that will never show up to, or at that moment, or at this point, never want to show up to a church, but are engaging right. with us there. But then also right. our team would invite their lost friends, right? So one of the things we'd right. say is, hey, your ones may not be ready for our church yet, but they have a heart to serve. And so we'd have... Yeah their friends come and serve also because through the pandemic people want to do something. They just don't know what they can do. And so when churches were trying to figure that out because of our partnership, we were constantly on a weekly basis serving, doing something different. Yeah. If we're wiping out laptops, if we're helping homeless families, if we're buying bikes for kids, if there's an event that they need help with. I mean, it was just really a mix of stuff. I love it. So you just, you just threw out, you just kind of casually tossed out this little phrase that I think is sort of, it's, it's the foundation of your whole thing. You said, uh, you know, they, they brought their ones. And uh, I would like to say that the one is the foundation of, of your whole metric system, because that is, that is like your laser focus is on the ones. Let's start there. Talk to us about what does that mean? They brought their one. Yeah. I mean, so our vision is to impact, you know, Berkeley or the Bay area or the world. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah. One person, one family, one community at a time. And so for us right now, our community is the Claremont Elmwood community, although that's expanding now because we have a, a additional hub in Pennsylvania. Um, and then 
the family is just kind of the, the people we feel our church is uniquely crafted to reach which in our community. It's business leaders, it's um, executives, uh, it's families. Um, and then we say the one. And I remember when that when that for us became so real, it was back in March, right before the pandemic hit. And I was talking to our team about our vision. And as I said, you know, the people, you know, the, you know, one family, one person at a time, I felt God say, and they may never show up to your church. And I remember as those words came out of my mouth, it wasn't in my notes as I was talking to, it was a group of like 20 leaders, but it was this mindset of, man, the ones that people are crafted to reach may never show up to a church and that's okay. But God has crafted and created each and every one of us to reach people differently, separately in different areas of influence. Um, and so what if we can maximize on um, people's um, understanding of building God's kingdom, which goes past just city center church and really transforms the marketplace. Um, and part of that is telling people it's okay if they don't come to our church. Of course, we want to build a church. So those pastors who are listening in, of course, we want to grow. But that's, that comes as an outflow of, of making the, the right things the right things. Um, and so that's kind of the ones are just the people that are uniquely crafted to reach. Um, and um, when we can activate people to live that way, it's, it will transform your church. So part of the foundation of everything is, is you, you, you seek to help every person as part of the faith community make a priority in their life, the ones, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, so if everybody's, if everybody's got a one, at, at least twice as many people as are on your team or part of the church are being impacted and you've, you've empowered them to not feel like the only way this, this matters is if they show up to a, a worship gathering. It, that, 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 that's an outcome and that's an outcome certainly we desire. Okay. So here's in a minute, uh, we're gonna we're gonna start digging in. You've got like five uh, uh, expressions or five emphasis. I, I'll let you talk about that. But before we do that, I think Jason, I saw there's another question somebody has. I want to give people a chance to ask yeah, for their thank questions. You for those of you posting their questions in the chat, uh, I want to make everyone aware that that's available. We'd love to answer as many of those questions that come in during our time together. Those of you that might just be logging on right now, I know that many join uh, partway through. Welcome. Um, Jason Bowman, part of the Next Wave community and the Artspeak creative team here with the author of Next Wave, uh, Steve Pike and church planner Ray Hudson. We're trying to crack the code of 21st century ministry. Uh, this is episode eight on the Exponential Hub here, and we're so thrilled to have this conversation. We're talking about refreshing the metrics today, and uh, we're about to dive into some of those metrics specifically that Ray Hudson has come up with uh, and his team. And, and maybe that speaks into this question that just came in. How did you get team members to commit and keep committed? Um, I think uh, <laughs> that's probably a, a, a challenge we've all, you, you probably have never had a team member uh, have a lack of commitment, uh, unlike <laughs> the rest of us. So what, how, how did you do it? Yeah, no, that's such a good question. And I think, um, you know, one of the things I say is one of our common day miracles is that we've had people stick with us for so long. And then, you know, when we think about March, 2020, when we went digital, Number one, most teachers, teach, uh, churches weren't going digital. And then, you know, our team wasn't a team of millennials, you know, or people under that age. Our team was a team of median age, 40 something, you know, and so we got a mix of people from 30 to 70. And so the first barrier we had to overcome, you know, the week of March 8th was what does it mean to do church digitally and how do we help our, our leaders and team do that, you know, um, 
but to keep people engaged, I mean, really was a, a miracle, but it was also a focus, right? The focus was we're building a team, not a church. You know, our, our team always gets on me because my challenge is always to them. Hey, we're building a team, not a church. Uh, yes, we want the church to be built, but if you build a strong team, the church will be built. It's a foundation. Um, and so it was just part of our focus. And so I think, you know, any pastors listening in through the lens of building a team, you do things differently through the lens of building a church, you do things differently. And, um, and then, so I think for us, it was just the mindset of, man, like if we're going to build a strong church, we have to build a strong team. And the things you do to build a team looks different. You're okay with texting, you know, your key leaders when you're building a team, because you want to know that they're involved, they, they stay in. You're okay with praying for those teams. You know, you're okay with saying, hey, if only I've got 10 people that show up to a coffee shop, I'm okay with it. You know, I'm okay to, to go and meet with, you know, each, you know, team members, you know? So, I mean, obviously that looks different. You, you know, you want to use all of your team members. Uh, but for me, it was this, this laser focus of, I, in order to, to stay involved through the pandemic, um, it has to be more than me just putting on a digital gathering. It has to be me investing past just, you know, a sermon on a weekend. And, and what allowed our team to get even more involved was, hey, we jumped into an after party. I tell you that for us, that was revolutionary. Even if we didn't have tons of lost people jumping into it, it allowed us to build a structure in a discipleship um, kind of culture with our team that now as we were moving in, we have new people showing up and people who, who don't want church, that our teams focus, you know, one of the phrases we say is kingdom over preference. Um, and so we, we were able to really instill that to say, hey, you know, let's put aside all of our preferences to build God's kingdom. And so, you know, when you do that, no longer are people saying, hey, how do I get fed? Because one, we're taking care of that. But their mindset is, hey, we're reaching the ones. And so, you know, yeah. I think it's a longer conversation, but there was just a lot of strategic weekly things that we did so that our team would be involved um, and yeah. engaged. And I took that as a personal thing that I had to own so that now our team's owning it with their teams. Um, but they got to see what that looked like for, you know, nine months. Yeah, man, Ray, that is so good. And what you just described is a great example of a leading metric, because what you said was you're not, you're not starting a church or you're not, your focus isn't on starting the church. It's on building a team. And so when you focus on building the team, the church is a byproduct of that. So the, the team building is actually a leading metric. Like are, is our team healthy? Is it growing? Are we having more, the more team members, the stronger the church is going to be, the more people are going to be part of the church. So that's a great example. Okay, let's get to the five C's. Let's get to the five C's because I think this is so brilliant. And I just want to, I want to make, I just, I need to say this. It's so important for people to recognize, like I came up with 10 dashboard things just as a framework, just to help people think differently and get away from just measuring how many people show up on Sunday as the only thing we care about. Um, but I want to just emphasize those are th this, these are principles, and Ray has done a great job of crafting the same concept, but but in a different way. And so, I, 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 one thing I just want to do before Ray shares these things, I just want to head off at the past. The tendency is going to be everybody's going to go, "Oh, these are five awesome things. We're just going to do that and do it wherever we're at." Please don't do that. Please listen for and look for the principles behind what Ray's about to share and, and apply it to your setting. It's not like this magic model that you can appropriate into any given situation. And I just want to head that off at the past because these, this is a framework. This is, this is a philosophical framework that, that you need to hone to your thing. So, Ray, let's talk about it. Give, give us the five C's 
And uh, what, what do they mean? Just go through it. Yeah. And, and I'd say kind of the start too, like where they came from was this, the mindset of, man, how do we rethink church to innovate an expression of church in a city that doesn't want church um, that really allows us to build and become a part of the community? One of the things you have to know about Berkeley is it's a very prideful place. And if you're just some transient business or transient church, and especially a church, they just don't want you there. And so part of the vision came before the pandemic, when I felt God say, man, what if you could create these like city center hubs that do some things for the community that make you, makes the community feel like you're a part of it and not just, you know, something that hates them and trying to fix them. You know, I think a lot of times we're like, Hey, these people suck at life. They don't love Jesus that, you know, I got to fix their lives and you don't learn to love the community you're in or the people you're serving. And so, um, so for us, um, the, the number one, uh, uh, scorecard metrics that we have in our five C's is called city teams. Um, and so for us, you know, one of the things that God has really pushed on me, and this is before we, there was this whole thought of, Hey, we people aren't being discipled was man, you know, we want to be a church that truly disciples. And what does that look like? How do we scale and simplify discipleship? You know, it's, it could be a whole nother talk. You know, we're working on something right now that we're piloting, um, through Jason Bowman and Jesus experience, which is super awesome. Um, and you know, we just launched that to our entire church and we're, we're in a weekly journey with all of our leaders, all of the people that join our church through that. Um, but for the city teams, um, our metric for that is we say we want to, or focus is we want to simply disciple our team um, as they disciple their ones. Um, and so, man, we believe that if we can disciple our team super well, then no longer are they, when they come to a gathering saying, hey, this gathering's not for me, or the debate, uh, man, like this is too spiritual or not spiritual enough. It's like, man, like what if we can just truly disciple people, get them to remove their preferences for God's kingdom? Um, so that we can truly in, uh, impact people. And so we kind of gauge that. We have a few questions that we ask. Uh, the first one is this, like how many people are in discipleship relationships and how many ones are teams building relationships with? Um, and so as we're thinking about a metric for us, we're gauging, okay, how many people on our team are in discipleship relationships and how can we gauge that? You know, are we gauging it? What does that look like? Again, a whole nother conversation. Um, and then what we do say is how many people are giving? of their time, of their finances, um, of their passions, um, you know, all those types of things, because we feel like if you're discipling people well, that's an outpour of that, you know, their heart is then to give. And, uh, and so, so for that, again, we want to simply disciple our team as they disciple their ones. That's our city teams. We say, Hey, this is, this is the, this is the Uber focus. And then it moves us into the rest of it. So the, the heart to number one, to disciple our team. Um, number two is what we call city cares. And so, um, birth it back in April, not the name, but the heart to love and serve our, our city and then craft it into what it is now through the pandemic, which is city cares. And it's, um, loving and serving our community so that they want and need us. Um, that's a heart and passion of ours. Um, and so the way we gauge that is how many kids and families have we engaged with each week? From our community and so when i speak to our kids person or some of our team members hey you know we'll do a family donut i mean a, um, a movie day we'll have you know 30 to 40 um kids and families that come Hey, we want to know hey who, who are we getting in the room with not on a sunday although we want them there but what are we doing to just continue to engage with families um, and then how many team members are serving with us what does that look like how many people are making a decision to serve then how many people are we engaging with weekly in our community? Um, so for us, that, that's important to us. 
Um, and kind of the vision behind that is we want to impact every kid at every school, which I brought up at, at the beginning. Um, and then three is our, we call it city groups. And so you got city teams, city cares is number two. Number three is city groups, different than life groups. Um, nothing against life group. We love life groups that help lead life groups. Um, but the way we look at that is how do we create space for life transformative relationships? Um, and so what that looks like for us is we say, like, what if we could create a, you know, a team of people that say, you know, I want to be in missional and intentional relationships. And even if people don't know that they're in this city group, you know, because it's intentional. And so what that looks like is, hey, we tell people, hey, you know, there's a guy who's like, hey, can my city group be the guys that I do lunch with once a week at my job? Yes. Do I need to tell them they're in a city group? No, because this is a, a missional, intentional spaces for people to be in groups. If people have neighbors, hey, would you just invite your neighbor over? Just start once a month. You know, you got a group of neighbors that you just do dinner with because what you're doing is creating relationships that are not focused on you fixing anyone. It's focused on you getting to know and being in relationship and community. Um, one for me is I go, I do golf on mission, you know? And so when I go to golf, um, you know, I've got four people that can't leave me for four hours, you know, like I get to bring Jesus to the golf course when they're cursing and yelling at the ball, you know, um, no, it's just, it's just a great space. And so we just say, Hey, city groups. Yes. You can have live groups but for us. They're missional and intentional spaces, uh, where our team members are engaging with their community or their ones, um, in relationship. And then, we have what we call city hubs. And so city hubs is we create missional spaces that create sustainability. Um, and so um, one of the things that you, you learned about Berkeley, um, there was a great planter that came, Earl Krebs. And you know when I, when I called and asked him, hey, what was the thing that was hard for you in Berkeley? He said, man, like we were moved, you know, tons of time throughout the city, right? People would let us rent and then they wouldn't let us rent. Um, and so I just felt like, man, like I don't wanna be held captive by anyone. Again, I'm a proactive, not a reactive. And so, I, you know, I know this is crazy, but I was like, man, I don't want to do set up and tear down. Not just because of, of the work that it takes, but in our community, um, we want to be a part of the business community. You know, we, our church is called City Center Church. And so we want to be in the city centers. We're not a house church movement, um, but we do want to create smaller missional spaces in our community. And so part of that is saying, like, could we like, so the gauge for that is how many lost people come through our space and then how much money are we bringing in to cover our rent monthly? You know, for us, it's a sustainability play, but it's also a missional play. Like, a, you know, so we just remodeled a, a space in Berkeley and we're not even all the way done yet. And we had an organization called Courtsmith um, and they did a, um, a fashion show in our space. I got to engage with their team for over a week. Um, we're now in community and relationship. Um, they had a few hundred people in our building uh, for a fashion show. Um, they both brought in revenue. Um, and it, you know, I got to engage with them cause they asked a question. Like, here was the question they asked. You're like, we're going to have like music that has cursing in it. Like, is that going to be okay? Um, and I remember just having a conversation with the leader, which I, you know, to hear later now how much it engaged, like how much it, it challenged and encouraged. Um, and now we're in community, but I did, you know, I just said, man, like we want to create space for people, um, to engage with us in a non-judgmental way. Um, and to be for us an expression of church that says, hey, all are welcome. You know, one of our phrases is belong before you believe. Um, and we just want to engage with our community. So anyway, so, so with that one, it's, hey, it's a, it's a missional play and it's a sustainability play. Great thing about sustainability, uh, man, one of our spaces is two thirds rented right now. And so 
um, we've got um, a business that rents two of our offices and we get to engage with them on a weekly, daily basis. Um, and then finally is our city gatherings. And so uh, we call those conversational gatherings around faith and life. Um, and so our metric that we gauge for that is yes, you know, we want to know how many people showed up, um, but we actually are measuring um, how many people brought their ones or brought friends to our gatherings. Um, and those gatherings are not just church services, although that's a part of it, but those are the, um, you know, when we do the family donut days or if we do a, a movie day. Um, so we just, say, we, we just say there's many types of gatherings. We do a, a community picnics um, and we just want to engage like, man, how many, you know, lost friends or neighbors are we bringing to those events? Um, and because we've done the other four, so all the other four that we do, we believe that if we could do the other four super well, then when our team shows up to a gathering, there's no longer a debate about how much worship are we doing? You know, how much, you know, did we preach long enough? Did we preach too long? Like people are coming into that space with the philosophical thought of this is for my friends because we're doing, you know, we, we will do worship nights. You know, I don't even talk about it here, but we'll do worship and prayer nights once a month. Man, we're going to go deeper in. We're going to pray. We're going to seek the face of God. We're going to do our 21 days of prayer that's getting ready to launch to our, our grand opening. But when we get to our gatherings on the weekend, those are to create um, conversational spaces around faith and life. Um, and so those are our five um, things that we do, wow. the five C's of City Center Church. Right. Thank you so much. I mean, there would be so it would it would take watching this a few times to unpack that. And so I know uh, you've got a PDF. We want to make that available to everybody. Uh, I will work with Exponential uh, to possibly get on the hub. It's already uh, and we can make sure it's right at the top of uh, of the next wave community. Uh, those of you that are just logging in, uh, I know sometimes we have people jump in right at the end of a conversation. Welcome. I'm Jason uh, with the Next Wave community and Art Speak Creative. Also here with the author of Next Wave, uh, Steve Pike. We're interviewing Ray Hudson of City Center Church, getting ready to start. And there's a question that just came in and, and, we, and we have a few minutes. We can answer a few more questions. So if you have any, drop those in the chat. Um, but it really gets back to the resource we mentioned at the top. And so... Uh, one of the, and I'll, Ray, I'll have you answer this uh, after I give a commercial for some of the free resources. But uh, the question is uh, they like the model. Uh, what are your estimates for in person uh, addition? or growth and, and those numbers. So we, we, you, I love that your metrics didn't, it didn't exclude counting who shows up. Uh, I also loved if you caught what he said is uh, not how many ones are coming, but how many are bringing their ones. And I think there's a difference there. It's slight, but I think it's uh, profound. Uh, you also said belong before you believe, which is actually on Steve's calculator and in chapter eight, exactly the pattern. Like uh, we're, we're kind of flipping this whole conversation over about what, how to do ministry from the 20th century into the 21st. It's a shift that goes from counting nickels and noses to a framework. Steve outlined 10, you've got it boiled down to five for your context, um, we have, for those of you that are watching and want to figure out how to figure out how many would show up based on this new model, uh, Steve put together an actual calculator. It takes this much awareness. It takes this many connections. It takes this many relationships and this many conversations. Um, and that's available at nextwave.community slash 
tools. You can go there and drop in how many spiritual conversations you're having. Uh, and that would lead to how many people might belong and then how many people might believe based on that. And actually how many people might gather. So you can go there today. You can also get a free download at nextwave.community slash refresh the metrics. Those links will be posted here. Uh, and also nextwave.community slash tools for an actual calculator. It's, it's fully automated, drop in your numbers. That's available for you guys today. I think also in that there's a free month into the Next Wave community, people planting churches in hard places. Something Ray mentioned, he's obviously in Berkeley. It's a hard place. They don't want a church. And I, I'm not a prophet, but I feel like the tide is headed that direction, everyone. It's the 21st century. Less and less people want you to plant a church in their neighborhood. They don't care. Ray, the way you're talking, uh, it, it, you're, you're talking about becoming wanted and becoming needed in the community. But may, So I love it. Can you answer that question though? As you estimate, you just had your first preview service this last weekend. I'd love to hear how that went. What do you estimate for actual attendance? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the gauge for that is probably a little bit harder. Um, you know, number one, Berkeley's going backwards with their mandates. Um, and, you know, in our community, there's a fear that's rising again with the Delta virus. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm really not gauging how many people will I get in butts in, in a seat? Um, do I have a, a heart? Man, my heart would be that, you know, by the time we launch, we've got 150 people that are coming into a, you know, our building or 200. Um, and so, you know, to say, if I do this, it will produce this, I think is a little bit harder in the context that we're in because of the pandemic. Um, but I, what I will say is, um, you know, our team, you know, I can answer the question better to say, how, how, how are we building team? So on, you know, our first preview gathering, we had seven new people show up. Um, and so my, my goal is, hey, I want to have over 150 team members um, by the end of October. Um, that's the goal. How many do you have right now, Ray? Oh, a little over 100. Stop it. You guys, did you hear that? He's got, he's a church planner in Berkeley. He's got over a hundred team members. This I'm wearing no hat, Ray. My hat is off to you. Wow. But, but again, so of that over hundred, I think at our preview gathering, we had um, 75 people or something that, that showed up in right. person. Um, and, you know, so for yeah. us, that's like 80% of our team or 90%, you know, of our, the team that are engaging, but uh, I think it's a hard play. I mean, we're doing everything that we can do. We're still marketing. We are, um, you know, we still want to grow our gatherings. We're not saying we don't want to grow our gatherings. We're just saying that we're doing a lot of things to do that. Um, and so, you know, we could have 500 people, you know, by the end of October, it just, you know, I think the gauge is just based right. off of where our city goes. Um, and you know, that's what, that's what I say, but I, but I'm gauging how many team members we have, how many people are, are on our team and how do we keep building yeah. that team? And that, that speaks to another, your journey, your story speaks to another shift that we're making. I think that kind of the conventional, the 20th century idea about starting a church is your runway is about maybe six to 12 months long, you, you know, from conception to immediate holding weekly gatherings and that's not what's taking place for you guys. And, and it's not just, I, I I'm sure COVID has, have, has been part of that, but what's been happening is you guys have been building relationships, connecting with people, 
And so that 150 that shows up are not just people who responded to a door hanger or something. These are people that you actually have relationship with, and they may be bringing friends with them and stuff like that. So I love so much that your emphasis, I, 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 you noted this when, when you first told me about this. The last thing you list is the gatherings because you recognize that the other four things are what the gatherings are going to be made up of. And even the gatherings are not just about Sunday morning. It's whenever the church gets together to do whatever, that's that's a gathering. So, man, Ray, thanks for sharing this. It's so effective, so powerful, and we're excited about what God's doing. And just to add one thing to it, like, you know, just a thought, you know, for us through a pandemic, we baptize a little over 30 people. So if that yeah. says anything, you know, so through yeah. the pandemic, a little over 30 people. Uh, we have a group yeah. of about 60 people in Pennsylvania that engage with us digitally. Now we're doing watch parties um, and they <laughs> baptize a little over 10 of that number. Um, okay. You know, but, uh, so we're not even, <laughs> so, so that's like a whole nother uh, thing we can get into is, wait a minute, you just brought in this group from Pennsylvania. I thought we were talking Berkeley. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't even want to go down that road right now because we're almost out of time. And I know there's another question, well, uh, I think, Jason. Steve, yeah, I think the thing that is beautiful about this, and it would take more conversation, Ray, in fact, I, I would, I just love to invite you to the next wave community again. I know you've already met, been there. Maybe we need to do like, a couple of weeks in a row to unpack well, he, this. Honestly, he just, is a member of the next wave. Yeah. You, you've so been there. You join the community you there. Yeah. We, I, man, yeah. we need to pull you in and, and just talk more about this. But I, I think the beauty of what you're talking about and the reason why all of a sudden it's just, you weren't trying, but all of a sudden we have these watch parties in Pennsylvania. It's like you've, you've turned the metrics of church leadership upside down and now it scales. Yeah. It, it scales without you. It, it, it's right. it's because it's about the people. It's about those ones. It, even the things in your gathering that you're counting aren't just butts and seats. It's how many people brought people, and we're going to yeah. celebrate that. And I love the I love what you said. And honestly, it helped me as a leader uh, understand some of my own past struggles and victories. You said we're focused on building a team, not building a church. And I know when I've tried to build uh, an organization. Uh, sometimes I've had success to that. Sometimes I haven't. I think when I've tried to build a team, I've always seen growth. And so, I, and I, but I don't think I've ever crystallized those thoughts as clearly as you did. One of the questions that came in is as a business leader in my community, I love uh, interacting with others uh, was, uh, did you find like unexpected group of Christian business people? Or, like, I guess the question might be like, who would rent from a church? But I think the way you're doing it, if I understand right, it's, it's not super churchy, right? Like who are these business leaders that are now uh, you're building alliances with and how did you go about yeah. that? And it's not just business leaders, it's the community, right? So I got a message that I got to respond to after this, which is someone wants to use our space for um, a kid's birthday party. Um, uh, for the business leaders, you know, we just said, hey, here's a great team building space um, if you want to do offsites. And so we'll have a, bo- we have boards that'll come use our space because in Berkeley, it's probably one of the nicest places. And I've heard, you know, from others, it's one of the nicest in, in the Bay area, but just, we have a patio out there. Our designer did a great job. And so we're not just saying, Hey, come use a room. You know, we're, we're doing work to say, Hey, if this is a part of our model, it needs to look good. You know, DS don't suck. Can I say that on 
the podcast, right? I don't um, run this so, place, but yes, I give you permission. Um, so yeah, so we're just, so we, we try to create spaces that people want to go to. So yeah, you got some people like, oh, this is a church. We had someone post something. Hey, just so you know, this is a church and they're against gay marriage and don't, you know, don't be a part of it. Um, you know, don't give them your money, you know? So we, so we have that, that happens too. Um, but then we just have people that are like, Hey, we're looking for space. You're giving us a great, right. You know, we don't have to have the funds. And so we can put the, the price lower. Um, we've got daycares that are looking at using our, our new space. Um, so it's not just, we found a business community. If we just had Christian business leaders, we, that's not our model. That's not what we're looking for. We're lo- it's a missional space. So we're looking to create space that people would actually want to use like Courtsmith. You know, they're not Christian organization, but they're looking for a space and they thought our space looked great. So they were like, Hey, we, we want to use it. Um, and so it's not to create space for Christian business leaders. It's to, to create space for people in our community that don't want faith, um, but need space. Yeah. Awesome. And, and Ray, just, just to clarify this space you're talking about, like where the birthday party is going to be, that's not where your weekly gathering is going to be. Mm-hmm. That's a di- So, so just, I want the, the watchers to recognize, you know, you guys have already, you've got spaces that have nothing to do with gathering the church necessarily, because you've got another space that you've acquired to be able to do that. So just, just fill in the blanks there. Jason, go ahead. I know we're almost out of time. Yeah. Almost out of time. Ray, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing uh, those that uh, want more of Ray. He is on uh, the next wave community. Uh, if you follow any of the tools, uh, next wave, uh, dot community slash tools. That's got the online calculator. Uh, there's a link there, uh, for a one month free into the community. Um, uh, we're also, uh, we've got that, that calculator at tools. You can download this chapter of Steve's book for free at nextwave.community slash refresh dash the dash metrics. We've also got a big, uh, opportunity coming up where we will be interviewing on Wednesday, Uh, September 1st, we'll be interviewing, uh, Steve will be having a conversation with the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God, Doug Clay. Uh, So if you ever really just wanted to get in the chat and just blast denominational leaders, well, maybe don't do that. I'm just just going to make it hard on you, Steve. Uh, Or you just want to peek behind the curtain and and see the reality that these uh, individuals uh, are human uh, with a great heart to serve uh, both in and out of their denomination, but that's the Assembly of God General Superintendent Doug Clay and Steve in a free webinar that's coming up on September 1st. I think there'll be a link here that you can follow nextwave.community slash Doug Clay interview. Uh, that's coming up for everybody. Uh, we'll have raised five C's in that community. We'd love to just talk to those of you that are that are in a hard place. You're trying to reach me. You want, don't do ministry alone. Like it's not just about the resource. It's not just about a new model. It's not just about new systems. It's about doing ministry together. I know that's the heart of exponential right here on this hub. I know that's the heart of Ray as he's building a team that's serving his city, also empowering their city to serve itself and just becoming a part of that culture. Uh, this, there's a new wave, Steve, it's the next wave of ministry. Uh, and, uh, there it is. There's the book. Uh, would love to have you guys a part of the community. Love to have you a part of relationship. Ray, thank you again. And uh, thank you everyone for being a part of helping crack the code of 21st ministry episode eight right here on the exponential hub.